wellness for actors and people in the creative arts? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog The Magnificent Show? Yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. A little bit of a glitch on the end of that intro now. It's taking one second extra long where I just feel like I'm a little hung up. But anyway, I appreciate you being here today. Uh, we're going to talk about wellness for people in the arts, specifically uh, actors and, and singers and people uh, who are in the creative arts. Uh, something I don't think a lot of us, or uh, something that a lot of us take for granted uh, is uh, the health aspect and staying fit and staying healthy uh, and understanding the toll that sometimes that the creative arts world can take on us physically, emotionally, all of that stuff. So we're going to talk about wellness for the arts today. And my guest has written a book about that. And it should be a very interesting and uh, stimulating conversation. So please stick around for it. Uh, before I bring her in, I need to quickly, as quick as I can, Sometimes that doesn't turn out to be so quick. Talk about my sponsors. Today's program is brought to you by the one and only CardCash.com. You're wondering, what is CardCash.com? Well, let me tell you what CardCash.com is. Founded in uh, 2009, CardCash.com provides an answer to two common questions. What can I do with all these gift cards I will never use, and how can I easily save money? CardCash pays cash for unwanted gift cards and then sells those cards at a, a discount. Make money, save money. It's that simple. Now, if you're like me, or if you know somebody like me, around the holiday times, it's, you have somebody on your list who's really hard to buy for. So you end up buying gift cards. But Again, if you're like me, you're probably not going to use those gift cards unless they are specific to the things you're interested in. Like for me, if somebody gave me a gift card for, say, Guitar Center, I would use that card. But if you get me a gift card for, say, Target or someplace like that, Kohl's, <laughs> I'm probably not going to use that because I haven't been to those stores in, like, forever. Uh, so what would I do with the stack of gift cards that I got over the holidays? Well, I'm going to turn them in for cash. And now, so uh, it doesn't go wasted. It's not a wasted gift. And I appreciate the gift, but uh, I could use the money. So I'm going to turn it into card cash and get cash for it. Now, conversely, if you wanted to save money on a uh, piece of merchandise, all you have to do is uh, get a good price on that, get your best price on that piece of merchandise, and then go to cardcash.com and use your money to buy gift cards where uh, you can buy them at a discount off the face value and actually save money on the item you're looking to buy. It's a great forward-thinking uh, solution. Cardcast.com, the link is in the description. I appreciate you patronizing them. Now, today's program is also brought to you by FunWise Capital. You know about FunWise Capital, folks. Hey, can we get card cash off the screen? Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's do that. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effective credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. That's right. I did say start. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, and I don't mean just an idea, but a solid business plan, well-documented, all your ducks in a row, as they say, they can help you get funding, get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, uh, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, as I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started with them, it's really simple. You just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. All the links are in the description, and I do appreciate you patronizing our sponsors. And uh, on that note, I would just like to say, if you're one of these people, like me, again, if you're like me, you got a real problem. But if you're one of these people like me who just really hates listening to ads at the beginning of any podcast, we now have a solution for you. We have a Patreon page, and at the beginning level, which is just $1 a month, you can't beat $1 a month, uh, 
you can get all the episodes absolutely ad free. No, none of this nonsense about me reading ads and uh, a long, prolonged intro and outro of the program. Get it without all that stuff. Worth the one dollar a month to get off the hook and not have to listen to that, folks. So, uh, the Patreon link will be in the description too, and I appreciate those who joined and the people who are joining at the uh, the top tier level this week. Uh, thank you very much. We will be sending personalized thank yous out to all of you uh, very shortly. And I do appreciate you patronizing us. I thought I asked for the card cast stuff to get off the screen. There we go. Boy, oh boy. Uh, so as I mentioned, we're going to talk about wellness today within the arts. Actor, singer, and certified wellness coach Deborah, Deborah Wenger has performed in theaters and cabarets from Boston to Los Angeles while working at creative arts agencies. She helped guide the careers of many top names, including Halle Berry and Antonio Banderas and others. She's the author of a new book called Re The Resilient Actor, How to Kick Ass in the Business Without It Kicking Your Ass. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Deborah Wenger to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Deborah, welcome. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Uh, it's very uh, nice to have you here. Where are you? I am in beautiful San Diego, California. Oh, perfect weather. Perfect weather. <laughs> I'm I'm in Long Island, New York, where it's not so perfect weather. Yeah, we're uh, seeing uh, more snow this year than we've seen in, in many years. And, and this week has been, uh, for actually the last 10 days, has been relentless with the snow. So I got up at 5.30 this morning uh, to another six inches falling overnight. I, I, I'm very envious of you. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in Chicago, so I've done some time, and I've lived in Boston, so I've done some time in the snow. So yeah. I've, I've earned my California time. I get it, but uh, and Chicago probably isn't as bad as it was when you grew up weather-wise. I mean, um, I, I, I'm a believer in climate change and uh, global global warming and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've seen it here on Long Island; it's kind of reversed itself. And I don't want to get in that that whole thing. But I bet you uh, Chicago is a little more milder than when you grew up. Is the only point I'm making. It probably is. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get there in a while. I'm hoping to. Uh fly again soon and go see my family. I would I would change that to fortunately I haven't been able to get there in a while. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so um, as uh, I mentioned briefly in our uh, pre-show talk here, I, I think wellness uh, for most people in the creative arts, it's not something we think about and we certainly don't uh, think about it as attached to the career. We think about it maybe as, you know, just like any other person. So what are the unique challenges uh, to wellness for people in the arts? Yeah, it's funny because we don't think of it, but then if you really think about, okay, well, what happened to a lot of famous actors? Tons of them committed suicide, had drug overdoses. I mean, you, you think about it, there's, we lost, we've lost a ton of artists due to depression, uh, drugs, addiction, things like that. And um, I'm not an addiction specialist, I'm a self-care and health resilience specialist. But once you start to think about it, there's an awfully long list of people who have had an awfully hard time as artists. Or you think about the, the uh, tortured artists or the, you know, of any, any form of arts, whether it's performing or not. You think of drugs and staying up too late and drinking and cigarettes and, and all that. Um, there's a lot of pitfalls. You know, actors are entrepreneurs. They're always looking for work. Um, they'll finish one project and, you know, aside from a select few who are regular on a TV series or a mega star, um, most people are looking for work and auditioning constantly. So there's a, a ton of uncertainty um, and there is um, long hours and there's, you know, a lot of temptation with, you know, craft services on the set, of, you know, junky food. And um, it's really hard to maintain balance. You know, you're either working a ton or you're unemployed. Um, it's hard to have healthy habits when you're getting up at five and, you know, shooting overnight or whatever it is you're doing. Um, so and as well as the physical and emotional toll, actually acting and becoming a character and playing these um, moments. And, you know, rarely do you see acting when it's just, you know, a regular day. Usually right. it's the wor the biggest or the best or the worst day of your life, right? To be right. interesting drama. So if you're playing someone who's getting murdered or raped or, you know, running a marathon or whatever, it's pretty, pretty taxing. So there's a physical and emotional toll on your body as well. 
interesting because I ask um, and, and uh, people in the arts, and not just actors, but authors as well. Because you just brought this up, and I, I would think you're absolutely right. But when I ask people, they deny it. Like I've asked actors about playing some really dark characters. Does it affect your psyche? Does it affect your soul? Does it affect your mental health, physical health? No, no, it's all part <laughs> of the job. Authors, the same thing. Authors who write very dark stuff i ask them the same questions and i, I always get no nah, no you, you you can compartmentalize that i think you're right i think if you're engaged in that kind of work and you put yourself into it seriously and put enough of you into it it's bound to affect you in some way yes yeah and your nervous system doesn't know the difference between pretending to be attacked by a bear and actually being attacked by a bear like it's gonna <laughs> have those feelings and the cortisol and the adrenaline and all that so, um, you know, some people are going to be more method and more into it and more, you know, go deeper, but it's, it's pretty hard to not have it affect you at all. Right. It, it takes a while to shake it off. Uh, biggest part, uh, I shouldn't say biggest part, uh, cause I don't know. I'm not the expert you are, <laughs> but a big part, uh, is this idea of eating set food. Now I've been on long, long model shoots in, in the hair and fair, uh, beauty industry and I've been astonished by um, models I see eating the kind of junk that comes in on 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 the uh, set sometimes. And I wonder, how do you stay beautiful and fit and all that stuff, eating the stuff that comes in from catered trays sometimes <laughs> on these sets? Uh, that's got to be a huge part of this challenge as well, right? I think it is. I think what we eat is so important. Uh, some people are blessed with uh, faster metabolisms, you know, um, and can you know, get away with more things, you know, certainly models who are six feet tall, five ten, or whatever, they can eat more M&Ms than I can. Um, but um, you have to figure out what works for you and what your food boundaries are and what, you know, where everyone has different sensitivities and different, um, you know, I choose not to eat dairy. I don't eat gluten. I, you know, I have a narrower road than a lot of people personally. And I, I work with my clients to figure out what, what are their food rules? You know, obviously there's some things that are, you know, Cheetos and, and M&Ms are not great for you. Right. You know, right. amounts of vodka, not great for you. Right. Um, but um, other people can drink coffee. You know, some people can drink coffee. Some can't, some people can handle dairy. Some can't. So okay. finding out what works for you and then, and sticking within those guidelines and those boundaries. So Thank making you. up your own rules, you know, what, what works for you. Thank you for reminding me I had coffee here. Um, <laughs> it's uh, another problem. And, and uh, of course, diet is important to health no matter what field of work you're in, what do you, what do, you do for a living. But I think it can be especially challenging when the food that you're uh, being presented with is, is um, kind of it's, – it's being catered in for everybody and not, not necessarily uh, – health isn't a consideration by the catering people. They're looking for most efficient uh, and something that will appeal to everybody across the board and that kind of stuff. So that's a difficult challenge. But the other challenge that is universal, no matter what field you're in, is sleep. And I think long hours and inconsistent shoot times and whatever it is for uh, people in the arts, that can contribute to uh, less than healthy sleep. Do you do you address that? I, absolutely. And sleep, I think, is even more important than food. Wow. Because right? you can, you know, go longer without food than you can without sleep. I mean, oh, that's true. I, I, didn't, I never thought of it in those terms. Yes, you're absolutely right. And all animals sleep, and it's when we, there's a ton of processes happen when we're sleeping. We rebuild, we clean it, things out, we, you know, uh, sort out our memories and the REM sleep and you know there's a ton of stuff that happens during sleep and just think about how you feel if you don't sleep well like right. you know there's more traffic accidents you know it's like being drunk right um from driving when you when you're exhausted so and i'm just cranky right i'm not i, I don't think well i don't do well so sleep is really important and um there's a lot of things we can do for sleep hygiene um and this isn't just for actors, you know, of course, actors have often night shoots and inconsistent times, but um, all of us, uh, especially during the pandemic, when, you know, if you're unemployed, you don't have like, a strict schedule. There's, um, if you have a baby, there's, there's tons of reasons why you're, 
your schedule gets messed up. But there's things that we can do to help with sleep hygiene for sure that, that help us sleep better. Um, and the biggest one, the biggest temptation these years is to not look at your phone right before you go to bed. Um, not have all that blue light in our eyes uh, right before we go to bed, which is it's so tempting to check our email or check Facebook one more time. But um, that not only gets us all stimulated and gets us into, you know, work mode or thinking, 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 but the light from a phone and, um, or the TV or the, your computer or whatever is, is, you know, it makes our eyes, the nerves in our eyes think the sun is shining and it screws up our circadian rhythm. So it might as well be looking at the sun. So right. if you are going to look at screens, you know, have uh, red glasses or blue light blocking glasses, but but um, I always recommend, and this is a tough one, putting your phone in the other room, putting or, or you know, silencing it, or you know, an hour or two before bed, just having a, a phone curfew or an electronics curfew. That's a big one. Yes, you mentioned addiction earlier, and I and you were uh, speaking about drugs, alcohol, substance addiction. But I think that addiction to devices, and specifically cell phones, uh, is a Something that uh, a health consideration that we're not even uh, even cracking the surface on when we talk about, of course, there's that, the addiction you just mentioned where we, we want to look at it one more time when we're going to sleep and all that stuff. But there are other problems, including radiation and, and having this device con- completely attached to your body 24-7 that raise other health issues as well, right? Right. And I definitely suggest not charging your phone at your bed table, put it in, you know, your bathroom or just, you know, you can still hear it if, if, if somebody really, really needs you, but not have it right next to your head. Certainly don't have it like under your pillow, or if you have to have it close by, you know, turn it on airplane mode. Right. I, I following exactly what it does. Yeah. I've fallen into the trap of using it for an alarm clock, which, uh, of course, then it has to be near me. And uh, because I'm paranoid that it, I'm not going to hear it, it gets extremely cl- I put it under the pillow or something like that. And, of course, I'm not doing myself any favors. Right. I mean, even just across the room is better. Right. The farther uh, away it is, the less radiation or EMF or God knows what else you're going to get. With with regards to sleep, now, I mentioned that, you know, actors and people in show business in general or the creative arts in general, even myself, who I'm I'm not uh, really don't force to do this, but during the pandemic and doing uh, podcasting uh, as a self-contained business here, I find my hours are extremely odd and late night and off off kilter, but uh, traveling. Can, can create uh, a real problem messing with your sleep. And a lot of actors, especially after the work is done, oh, I'm talking about film uh, in, or television in most respects, you have to go do a lot of traveling to promote the work. Sometimes people in, in theater even have to do that. Mm-hmm. What uh, That actually presents some extra challenges in sleep because, uh, or at least from what I'm told by psychologists, you should sleep in the same place, the same comfortable place for the most healthy sleep, uh, have consistency with where you sleep and how you sleep and your hours and all that stuff. Does that traveling create a new challenge? And if so, what are the, uh, what, how do you overcome that? Of course. And, you, you know, you do your best. Right. You do your best with what you can. Yes. In a perfect world, we would, you know, be in the same bed every single night and it'd be totally dark and exactly 68 degrees Fahrenheit and, you know, all these, um, you know, zero electronics and, you know, all that. But if you, you know, you do, you do your life, you do what you got. Um, there is a, it seems to be that there's a lot of link with, with your timing of how you eat with, oh. with like adapting to uh, jet lag and stuff. So um, if you pay attention to uh, where you're going and maybe the day before or that day, eat on that schedule, that also helps your circadian rhythm and your sleep. Same thing with paying attention to light exposure. Um, And then if you can, while you're traveling, if you're sleeping in a hotel or a new place, you know, bring eye shades, bring a, you know, sleep mask, bring a, a, a white noise machine if you can, or there's apps on your phone that do white noise. Um, and just try to have a, a normal sleep schedule. Um, and you know, you can, there's things you can do, which I don't want to get too deep into this right now without due diligence, but that, um, with fasting and, you know, kind of timing your meals, timing how you're eating, um, 
you know, certainly pay attention to caffeine because that can obviously keep you awake um, and contribute more to jet lag. But um, using melatonin uh, to get onto the, when you get there to help your body adjust to the, the new sleep schedule and um, just doing your best, you know, avoiding alcohol because that can also obviously make you feel worse, right. especially when you're flying. And um, yeah, and then uh, and as often as you can, you know, not do, you know, red eyes and really goofy flights and um, fly during the day as much as you can, you know, you do your, you do your best, but. Right. Uh, uh, there's a couple of places I want to go here, but I'm going to start first with this uh, idea of exercise. Now, I know a lot of people in the arts um, do exercise and do have a exercise regimen, but I think COVID in particular has thrown a monkey wrench into how we can exercise and, and where we can exercise and all those kind of stuff and being creative in, you know, uh, how do you get the, your workout in, in, in a hotel room? And in, have you addressed any of that stuff? Uh, uh, the Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, in California, our gyms are still closed. You can only work out outside. Um, and even then the, there's been some restrictions on that at some point. You couldn't even do that. So um, yeah, so th things have changed a lot. Um, I definitely address exercise. I think it's so important, especially during the pandemic with the anxieties that come up and the uncertainty. And um, I really see movement as kind of burning off the crazy, you know? I, uh, <laughs> I have to say, and I, I, I might be a uh, cliche, but I'm a Peloton girl, you know? I got a Peloton in, in uh, April and that has helped me so much. And, you know, people who can, Set up a little home gym is is invaluable because that and that changed my mood and my my ability to roll with the punches so much. So um, if you have uh, a yoga mat, if you have uh, if you can get any dumbbells, if you can get an exercise bike or a treadmill, that's great. Uh, a walk around the block, a jog around the block, um, anything that you you know, fresh air and sunshine is very valuable as well. But moving your body, we're we're meant to move, um, and it. It has such a huge effect on a whole bunch of hormones, and I, it really does burn off all of these extra anxieties. Um, it doesn't have to be in a gym, you know. If you just, you know, walk your dog, lift a couple soup cans, do you know, do one push-up, do whatever you can. But um, incorporating movement helps so much with the clarity of the brain. Yeah, I, I got uh, almost assassinated on Twitter because uh, Patrick uh, Bet David, who is a uh, influencer guy, podcaster, and value entertainment, he had uh, tweeted out something about uh, yelling at Gavin Newsom about opening up the gyms was uh, vital towards keeping people healthy. And I had the audacity to say, you don't need a gym to work out. Uh, people, people were uh, fit long before we had public gyms and things like that. We can, if you're smart and creative, uh, all you really need is your body and a floor and, and maybe a couple of walls. <laughs> but you can figure out a way to exercise, sit-ups, uh, you know, squats, all that kind of push-ups. You, you can work out without a gym if you're creative enough. Do you include any of those kind of tips or, or how to? How to yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, just on, there's so much free stuff too. Go on YouTube. There's so much content. There's every kind of exercise and yoga and stretching and, uh, you know, hit workouts and, um, you know, interval training and, and you know, how to start running. There's so much free stuff. There's apps. Um, so, if it's, you know, you're looking for inspiration or you miss your favorite, you know, jazzercise instructor, whatever, it's there. You, um, it's, and you don't even have to look that hard. If you just Google free workouts or 10 minute yoga or whatever it is, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's not having, the, and I understand, believe me, my heart goes out to people who own gyms and are, are struggling with their business. And they, it's definitely a legitimate business. I'm not knocking the business, but uh, you certainly don't need a gym to be fit. And that, that was my whole point. But I got attacked viciously for, for even making that comment. Uh, do you work with, primarily with, with actors? Because I, re, I asked that question because I think there are two um, areas of the creative art Arts, which in my mind have far worse lifestyle, far worse uh, challenges and um, peer pressure or, or environmental pressure to have an un unhealthy lifestyle. And I'm talking about comedians and musicians, so people who are on the road. Do you yeah. work with any of those? 
Um, I have a little bit. Um, I will work with, you know, the, when the, the clients who come to me and if it's a fit, it's a fit. Um, so I don't, I don't work only with actors. I, I've, as I've been working, I've been working more with entrepreneurs and, you know, I have moms, I have a puppeteer, I have, you know, I've worked with, with all kinds of performers. I started with actors because that's my community. That's my background. That's what I know. And right. that's, you know, I was an actor who was incredibly unhealthy myself. So, you know, I'm not just, oh, I think I'm going to descend upon actors and, you know, with my perfect self and tell them how everything should be done. Right. I was, a, I was a, an actor and I was a hot mess. I, you know, right. I was overweight. I was depressed. I was, so that's where I started was when I kind of climbed out of my depression and my unhealthy state. I said, this is the community I'm going to start with because um, nobody was there. You know, my book didn't exist. You know, there wasn't a how to be healthy as an actor book. So I'm like, I need to write this and then um, and share my experience and what I did to, you know, not because I did everything right, but because I started out doing everything wrong. And then I learned how to do things that worked for me. So I started with actors um, and then um, I realized that actors are not entrepreneurs. It's the same thing. They're working for themselves. They have crazy hours. Uh, there's no guarantee of employment. Um, it's easy to be obsessed with just your job and nothing else, you know, and be really out of balance. So I've, I've, you know, branched out to, um, you know, entrepreneurs, moms, you know, all kinds of people. But um, my first love is actors. Let's just say that. Well, well you mentioned the book, so here it is. Um, it's called The Resilient Actor: How to Kick Ass in the Business Without Get Without Kick It Kicking Your Ass. <laughs> Why do I have trouble saying that? Anyway. Um, uh the book uh how how long is the book uh, how deep is the book and what what is um you how know? many it's uh 300 it's 240 something pages so, and, and then I, I also have a workbook to go with it that i wrote that, is, that's uh, what i was going to ask you is, is it just um information or is there an application to it like a a, a uh pattern to follow along or or ideas for practicality putting it into practice oh, absolutely because um it's, it's more than so the, the first little chunk of the book is my story and why i'm writing this book and um you know why me why am i you know why am i talking about this stuff and how i developed resilience how i you know my darkest um things and then how i climbed out of it and then i go through um all kinds of different you know sleep exercise stress management you know dealing with rejection auditions um goal setting, habit development, all those things. And as we go through at the end of every chapter, there's some exercises that you can do. Like, how do I start? Like, okay, that's great theory, but what do I do? So I have a few exercises uh, at the end of every chapter. And then I don't know if you're like me, but every time I read a book that has exercises in it, I'm like, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. And then I put it down and I never come back to it. <laughs> you know, right? It's like, I'm going to do it someday. And I'm going to sneeze. So excuse me. Well, maybe not. Um, I got the tickle. So. so I wrote the workbook, which has all of the exercises in it, as well as like examples of how I would do it, uh, my examples, and it fleshes it out. So it kind of helps you walk through all these exercises that are in the book to get them off the page and actually do them. And then the second half is actually a planner that I use to um, organize my life and develop habits and goals and, and all that. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh one of the things you mentioned uh, in that answer kind of I I'm I'm one of these people who gets fixated on, on things very easily like a shiny object I will stick to it and and you just dropped a shiny object right in the middle of that answer and it was dealing with rejection and it's like oh I, I you know and I'm listening to you talk but I'm like my mind keeps going back to oh dealing with rejection I gotta ask her about that because that's that's uh, among people in the creative arts, and uh, I guess it's a, it's difficult for everybody, no matter what creative art you're in, but it seems to be one that most people struggle with mightily. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that and your, uh, your advice or suggestions on how to become better at that? Yeah. Um, well, like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. The more you <laughs> audition uh, and the more you hear no, most of the time it's easier if you know if you're doing one audition a month and you don't get it it's gonna really sting if you're doing six auditions a day most of the time it doesn't hurt that much occasionally you know there's always a job 
that is you want more and that that's a little bit harder you know that one stings or you get closer to it and it's just like oh i just missed it those are gonna hurt and doesn't mean you don't feel it doesn't mean you're not allowed to hurt or let it sting you know maybe you give yourself a day to just feel lousy about it but then you got to get back on the horse but the more you do it the less uh each one hurts you know the, the um so it's frequency it's just getting the habit and then i really encourage my clients to not put all of their value in one thing if everything that if you get your whole self-worth by your your employment then if that's not in, in a perfect place you're going to feel like i have no value as a human being but if you try to just spread it out while well, i value my family i value in my friends i have value in my hobbies i have uh, value in how i am as a dog mom whenever whatever it is so that you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket right, right. so um that you have other things so if your career isn't exactly where you'd like it to be you're not like i i suck as a human right because you still have other interests other i i you know and if you don't have other interests get some if you don't have friends who are out of your industry maybe you should get some so that um like anything else, if you put all of your energy and all of your worth into any one thing and that thing goes away, um, it, it's a hard fall. I, a lot of us learned that during the pandemic, right? Yeah. You know, uh, my industry shut down. You know, their theaters are still closed and we don't, you know, it's going to be at least till the summer before Broadway opens. Um, so me and a ton of friends and a ton of clients are 100% out of work. Uh, you know, Hollywood is is back in limited capacity and with, you know, a lot of accommodations and safety rules and things like that. So, um, you know, hairdressers were completely out of work for a while. Gyms, you know, there are a lot of industries. So if you, um, you know, a lot of people had to really adjust to getting things yanked out from under them and the things that they labeled themselves, you know, uh, even people who want to shop, you know, <laughs> like a lot of a lot of stores were closed, right? Restaurant owners. So um, those of us who have other things besides just that one thing probably fared better than most people. I mean, it was a, quite an adjustment for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, just as a humorous side note, my wife uh, has found a whole new glorious side of shopping she never knew existed because of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have uh, FedEx trucks and UPS trucks at the house constantly uh there isn't a day we, we don't have a bunch of boxes on the front step that are oh look we got new deliveries today never happened before so uh but just this morning i got uh an email from somebody in the uh in the arts asking me to comment on uh what i think of how how artists uh, people in the creative arts can best deal with the uncertainty and the loss of work due to the pandemic and i and my gut reaction to that is um we everybody no matter what you do in the world we kind of focus on what we do as um having the pro having the special challenges due to the pandemic and and i don't just don't think that's true i think everybody has had major challenges no matter what business you're in the only people who haven't had base huge challenges are billionaires who run the the biggest corporations for the big stores amazon walmart costco those people have had <laughs> have had a boom and, and people who made masks but people make toilet paper too yeah yeah but on the idea of rejection i i i do agree with you that you know the more you go through it the less the less damaging it becomes to your psyche and the, the more able you're more you are able to deal with it uh, i'm thinking of uh stand-up comedians especially and i say i i've often said that stand-up comedy is one of the bravest things in the art you can do but for those people and and this is where and i know uh your your primary area is is dealing with actors but i think those people have a special um really difficult time that we we, we don't kind of notice in that uh even a, the best comics will put a, their their work time is 45 minutes out of a day that gives them uh 23 and a quarter hours 
in every day to get engaged in self-destructive, especially when you're on the road and the loneliness. And then at the end of the day, if you get that, if you bomb that one time, you've had that 23 hours of, of loneliness, uh, self-destructive time, all that stuff building up. You go, you do your 45 minute set. If it's not great and you bomb that one night, you can become really, really depressed and suicidal or anxious. And, and so uh, I think there, there is something to be learned there and uh, also some area that needs help, uh, needs some, some real uh, TLC in, in nurturing those psyches. Definitely. It's, it's a really hard profession. And they, they have to write a lot. They're constantly writing jokes. They're all, there's the expectation. There's all, they're always going to have new material. Because, right. oh, I heard that joke. Right. So they have to always be generating uh, funny stuff, which is not so easy. Right. They have to write hundreds, thousands of jokes. Um, I did hear a podcast interview. It was a Tim Ferriss podcast with uh, he was interviewing Bill Burr oh. uh, specifically about that, about um, the comedian's life. And he did talk a lot about how he had to learn to take care of himself because there there is such a gravity. Uh, there is such a, a negative uh, pull to uh, be unhappy, to uh, you know, to you know, the, all the things they're saying, you know, bombing and the having only forty-five minutes or you know, ten minutes, and um, the inconsistency and how ch- you know all the challenges. It's a, it's an interesting podcast. So, in my right. um, most people who are not in the art uh, assume that actors and people, musicians, comedians, whatever, uh, are wealthy. And uh, that's not always the case, even if for people who have been in some very successful and uh, well-known productions, they're not always um, financially secure. And you mentioned, you know, there's always that anxiety that you, you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from. You did that one job that you paid well, but that's got to pay your bills now until you can find work, that anxiety part of it. So I think financial wellness is a part of wellness all, uh, you know, the holistic part of it. Uh, do you get into that at all and, and kind of uh, stress the importance of uh, being smart with your money, managing your money, understanding that you're in a volatile business, not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from and how you kind of plan for that and deal with that on a holistic health, uh, wellness, health and wellness uh, paradigm? I don't really get into that in the book too much. Um... You know, of course, um, you don't want to be too, you know, with extreme with your spending. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with a very famous actor one time and asking him about, you know, some of those movies that you see that you're like, that was horrible. Why did you make that? You must have known that that was not a good movie. Why did you make that? And he said, I don't know if people realize that I've got two ex-wives and a house in Maui. And my agent gets 10% and my manager gets 10%. And my attorney gets 5% and my publicist, you know, so I don't really get that much. I don't get to keep that much of my money. You know, the government gets some. So even when you're making bajillions of dollars, a lot of it's going to other people. Um, but um, I, I do definitely recommend that you, know, you have a good money manager, you have a good accountant that you pay attention and that, um, you remember that th- these things can be fickle, that even if you're a star and making gajillions of dollars, which some people are, that uh, to remember how fickle this is and it can it can end as quickly as it started. And right. um, I mean, you think about people who were the biggest thing in the 80s and now they're a punchline for of a joke if you can remember their name at all. Right. right. So yeah. uh, and other people who have lasted forever. Um, and you just don't know. So that um, having a good investment strategy, even if it's just with, you know, a few few pennies, uh, is wise. And you know, having if you have a, a pension through the actors' union, that's helpful. Um, but also just to, um, you know, you don't have to to hoard and be freaky about it. But 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 to be sensible and not assume that it's always going to be there for sure. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think and the the anxiety of that uh, just whole idea of 
because you, you mentioned they are entrepreneurs. Anybody in the arts is, is an entrepreneur. And uh, it's almost like starting a new business every time you start a new production or are involved in a new production. It's like getting a new client for your business or whatever. So uh, that anxiety is a big part of it. I would think um, that beyond just the what people think of uh, wellness and getting good sleep and exercise and diet and all that stuff. Psychology is a big part of it and, and understand managing that anxiety and stress. Uh, am I, am I right? Oh, absolutely. And it, it kind of comes from both directions. So the more you take care of your body and your sleep and all that will help you be in a better mood and have better uh, psychology and in a better emotional state. So, um, you know, if you're eating Cheetos and, and, uh, Sorry, I've been picking on Cheetos a lot. Um, if you're eating Twinkies and uh, smoking cigarettes and staying up too late, it's going to be much harder to feel motivated to go to that audition or to uh, go to your workout or to call a friend or, you know, to do any of the healthy, you know, meditate, any of the healthy things that help you feel better and, and think more clearly. Um, so I, you know, and the health, you know, it spirals upward. The healthier you're feeling, the better you're feeling, the more likely you are to to eat well and sleep well. So it kind of, it goes back and forth. Um, so it's, it's not one or the other, but I, I, you know, I'm not just saying that, oh, you should exercise or you should eat vegetables or you drink water just to be a good person. And also you feel better and you're more inclined to do other things, um, to do your work, to do your vocal exercises. If you're a singer to, you know, to sit down and, and write that chapter, the, um, your physical energy provides the mental energy to do what you need to do, including keeping your mood buoyant. Right. It, um, I mean, you think about if you eat junk, you feel like junk and you think like junk usually. So. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, your story now, uh, and part of it was you were a depressant. Do you, can you uh, share with us what window opened that, gave you the inspiration, motivation, or strength, whatever it was, to take that very first step towards wellness and getting yourself back on the right track? Was there an epiphany? Was there a, a, an awakening moment, as they say? What, 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 what? Somebody come to you and say, Deborah, you're in bad shape. Get, you got to get it together. And um, I was, you know, my biggest addiction was food. And I was binging and... Uh, not purging. I wasn't a good purger. I, I tried. Um, but gratefully I was not good at that. Um, but I would emotionally eat and, uh, the worse I felt, uh, the more I'd eat and that made me feel worse. And so it would spiral downward. Um, so I used food as a drug, especially sugar. So, um, going to a 12 step program for food addiction was, uh, the first major brick in you know the first major step in helping me get my act together and what was record and i have even then i had to do i had to try that on a few times before i found uh my community that, that really helped and by them recommending getting rid of sugar and flour uh and eating super clean i was able to get my my mental state back and my emotional state back have more even blood sugar and uh you know start doing the emotional work I needed to do and, and just feeling better about myself. And then that led to um, a path of, you know, trying different diets and trying all these things to, to get, you know, kissing a lot of frogs till I found it. And uh, I've, I found the Bulletproof diet, which really worked for me uh, and the work of Dave Asprey. And this was, I don't know, seven years ago, eight years ago when he was just some random dude on the internet and um, I actually ended up being in his fir first cohort ever of uh, coaches that he trained. And this, um, and this is to 2014, 2015, got certified with him. So basically he downloaded his brain of all the biohacking, all the, you know, this was keto before a lot of people were doing keto and um, talked about a lot of these things. So, you know, I just soaked it all up and got certified through him. So I'm a certified bulletproof human potential coach. So I use a lot of his wisdom and his research in my books and in my coaching, but I build from there and help people make that their own. So that, that's been um, huge. That's been huge. And, you know, just staying away from the sugar is probably the single most helpful thing to help me manage my emotional and physical state. No question about it. And thank you for sharing that. Um, you mentioned the 12-step programs. And, uh, you know, it's important 
to, to get a healthy diet. And I think, uh, you know, my opinion on this, I am not a nutritionist or an expert on, on any of this stuff. So this is strictly opinion. But I think every individual has, uh, because we, we do metabolize things individually and different in every human being, I think dietary and the diet you choose should be individual. And I know a lot of people get really, really activist about it, uh, veganism or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And you mentioned keto. When, you know, all these different diets that everybody everybody wants to, because it worked for me, I want to be an evangelist and get everybody on it now. I don't think it works that way. I think it's individual. But you mentioned sugar and 12-step and programs. And I think, uh, and I've said this before, and and I, I people think I'm joking. I think sugar is worse than heroin when it comes, or, or cocaine when it comes to addictiveness. I myself have tried to kick it. I was challenged to to kick it for one day, uh, 35 years ago, and thought it would be easy, and totally failed. And by the end of uh, like 22 hours in, I was homicidal, suicidal, every kind of suicidal you could think of. Uh, <laughs> And so this idea, I think there should be a 12-step program just for getting off sugar because I do think it, it's really toxic. It's one of the most toxic things. And obviously, it's not as deadly as heroin or cocaine, but it's addictive properties. And you, the ability to kick it seems to me, to somebody who's known a lot of drug addicts in my life, uh, a hard, the hardest thing to kick. Cigarettes, heroin, cocaine are all tough, but I think sugar is the hardest. So. And it's everywhere. It's in pretty much all processed food has sugar in it. Um, and it's, you know, it's glamorized. And especially right now, we want comfort and sweetness. And, um, and as humans, we are, you know, programmed to look for sweet, right? right. <laughs> you know, but um, three days is kind of the magic number. If you can get through three days without sugar, something clicks and it's it's you're kind of over the hump but the, those three days can be very challenging three um, hours can be very challenging oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. um but uh, you know, you know even cut down on it is, is huge but you know it, there's all this talk about the microbiome and the bacteria in our body and stuff when we start to give up that sugar they're screaming they are demanding it so it's not just you that's having the craving it's all these bacteria in your body are just like hijacking your brain demanding sugar and they're they're panicking because they're going to die if you don't give them sugar right so right. they they they, uh, they ring the alarm bell so it's it is really hard but um it can be done and the how you feel you know the regulation and mood the regulation and uh energy the you know the less the mood swings that the hangries all those that go away when you can uh limit your your sugar intake is it. right. I, I totally agree. And you brought up a good point. It, and that's the part of the challenge in giving it up is that it's in everything. So uh, it's easy to say, I'm just going to give up sugar and not put sugar in your coffee or tea and all that stuff. But if you look at the ingredients or, or, or even have ever, you know, made uh, Italian sauce and put sugar in it or, uh, but every processed food, if you look on the label, is going to have sugar in it. So that's the biggest part of giving it up. It's not just the the sugar itself or not having that candy bar. It's, you know, the sandwich you get out at a restaurant or anything that you, <laughs> you're going to buy is probably going to have sugar on it. So even if you're out at a restaurant, sometimes it requires saying to the waiter, uh, do they put any sugar in? <laughs> it's really difficult because it is everywhere. Yeah, and that's why one of the reasons why we love restaurant food, right? They put extra fat and extra salt and extra sugar in it, right? And it's yummy, yeah. um, as well as someone cooking for us is, is great. But yeah, you, you definitely need to read some labels and get into some new habits. I'm a big fan of stevia and monk fruit and um, even some erythritol and xylitol, which are um, more natural sweeteners. That, you know, They're not going to have the same insulin effect, the same glycemic effect that sugar and they're not as bad for you as like equal and Splenda and some of those laboratory ones. So um, that will give you some sweet taste and help you transition without um, the impact of sugar. So, right. I, I want to yeah. go, go back to the book just for one second in the cover. Now uh, um, I have to ask as part of your exercise regimen does it include boxing. <laughs> it does not actually. <laughs> now, the boxing gloves are a metaphor. Okay. It's a metaphor, and as you can see, one of them says health, and one of them says sanity on it. Um, well, I, 
I had to ask because the, the, I, for people on the audio side who don't know why I'm asking that, might might think, what the hell? Where the hell is he going with this? The cover of the book has uh, her standing there with uh, boxing gloves hanging all around her shoulders that say "Health and Sanity" on on the boxing gloves. So. Yeah, so I bring forth the metaphor that an actor or an entrepreneur is like a boxer, and that you're it's not that you're not going to get punched, but when you're resilient, you can take a lot more punches before they knock you out. Uh, so, cool. uh, you know, if you come into the ring um, ready and rested and you know well trained, you can go a lot of rounds, and it's not going to completely you know land you on your ass. But if you come depleted and and um, not taking care of yourself, one good punch, you're out. Right. That's that's the metaphor of the boxing gloves is is having the resilience and the reserves to take a lot of punches. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to put the link uh, if to Amazon where you can buy the book. Both the links to Deborah's website and the Amazon link where you can buy the book uh, will be in the description, and I want people to know that. Um, so I want to ask about this, and it's kind of awkward, but um, mm. musicians especially, and I don't know if, if actors have this mindset, and this is why I'm asking the question. I know a lot of musicians have this ridiculous mindset of uh, – the myth of the starving artist you have to struggle for your art which means uh you have to you know in order to become a um serious jazz artist for say you have to be a drunk or a heroin addict if you're gonna if you're gonna be in rock and roll you have to be a hard drinker and all this stuff is there do, do actors fall into that uh ridiculous myth of of starving for your art makes you a better a better artist of course and i do definitely get into that in the book that there's a lot of mythology you know that you have to be uh, impoverished, starving, you have to smoke and drink a lot, you have to stay up too late, you can't be healthy and be an actor, or that you have to be a waiter, right? <laughs> you know, you can't be. Um, and I, I do encourage everyone to have an additional stream of income, you know, which were a special, you know, the people who heeded that advice fared a lot better during the pandemic, for sure, if they had, you know, eggs in another basket as well. Um, but, you know, we all have stories about every profession. Um, and, um, you know, about every aspect of life, many of us have stories that we tell ourselves um, that don't necessarily serve us, right? Um, and, you know, I have to be perfect to be loved, right? That's a lot of people have that in, in all categories. You know, I have to work way too many hours. You know, uh, I have to make a lot of money or, you know, I'm not good enough or whatever those things are. So yes, every profession, especially the arts, do have things like the starving artist, the crazy artist, the depressed artist, the um, unemployed artist, whatever. So um, to find new ways to frame it so that we're not, you know, you can be a thriving artist. You can be, you can be an, uh, an actor who's more like an athlete, right? Who takes care of their body and brings health and wellness as a good foundation to it. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of mythology and there's a lot of lot of junk. And, you know, we love to bash our actors, right? You know, right. my parents were terrified when, when they're like, why do you want to be a professional waitress? <laughs> you know, and that, you know, you know, we'll never make it in the arts. And um, I, I've asked the question more times than I can count. And I still haven't really uh, reached any kind of satisfaction or satisfactory answer on this is why waiting tables is the fallback for many people in the acting profession, it seems to me, I, and I get that there, you, there's some social aspect of it. And if you do it in an area like a, a that is prime to the business, whether it's in Hollywood or New York City, you're going to make some contacts waiting tables. Uh, but uh, it would seem to me there's far more lucrative and things that are uh, and endeavors that lend themselves towards actor skills like sales, for instance, uh, that would make much more sense if I were an uh, actor looking for a side gig to support me while I was doing my main gig, which is acting. Uh, why Why waiting? Do you have any? <laughs> I do have answers. I actually do have an answer to, to your lifelong question. Um, <laughs> number one, it, it uses a lot of skills that actors have. I mean, it's it's kind of a show, you know. Hi, I'm your waiter, you know, and you're, I'm building an experience for you. Tonight we have you know, such and such, and, you know, and the pasta primavera, and it's a lovely sauce with a, you know, it uses people skills and, uh, you know, charming actor skills. But also, I think the main reason is the flexibility. It's really easy to trade shifts with somebody. It's really easy to, 
just work nights or just work mornings or just work the lunch shift or to trade. So the flexibility to be able to get off and uh, be available to do an audition on pretty short notice, not a lot of jobs afford that. Um, so I think that's the main reason. Whereas right. if you have a nine to five, it's pretty hard to say, I'm not going to come in today, right? I need in the afternoon off, um, you know, unless you have a phenomenal boss. Um, most jobs won't let well, you do that. So um, I do have, I do know people who um, have found other creative things besides waiting on tables, website design or uh, being a personal assistant or things that you can do that, that still have the flexibility, um, and, but, but can be more lucrative. But thank right. goodness our waiters, right? How would we yeah. get our food? Yeah. Um, so, but the book is not all you're about. No, I have the website. Oh, I don't have the website right now. I have the Amazon link. Now I have the website back up again. It's DebraWanger.com. Deborah now, I've noticed on your website that you do coaching and a whole bunch of other things. And one of the other things I noticed, of course, because my mind goes there often, is music. Do you write and perform your own music? Is I perform my own music. I don't write much. Um, I've written a few songs that I don't think are very good. Um, you know, some people have the skill. I'm, I, get, um, I do have a CD that I released and I did some of the arrangements for that. Um, and I, I was able to highlight a, a, some songs that some friends of mine wrote. So there's some original music on there. So I do have a CD and I think I'm, it's around, uh, I think you think you can get it on Amazon and I think I'm on iTunes and all that. So, um, so so the, the the material that you're picking is it like songbook you know where are you getting the material from if you're not writing it um a lot of broadway a lot of show tunes okay uh, and uh some some pop and some like i said some original songs that have been written by friends well i i i will take a beating for this but uh from my friends musician friends but i actually enjoy show tunes uh <laughs> <laughs> musicians Broadway. I love shows. Yeah, I, I love a good musical. Unfortunately, I take a, I, again, I'm going to take a beating from some people for even saying that. I might have to edit that out of the final. Uh, well, I will, I will do the opposite of beating you. I, I, <laughs> I, I love musical theater when it's great. There's nothing better. And when it's bad, it's, there's a few things worse, right? <laughs> Right. So talk, talk about some of the uh, things that you offer. Uh, I know you have the book and, and we just talked about the music. Uh, coaching, uh, uh, you do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Is it, is it team coaching? What's that experience? I've, I've been primarily doing one-on-one, -on -one, um, which I, and I've been using Zoom for, I was using Zoom before it was cool, right? right. Um, so <laughs> the whole thing about doing video coaching is now we all know with, with Zoom is you can do with anyone, anywhere. And I can work with so many more people if I'm not traveling, right? right. I can just have people back to back. And then um, I've just been starting to do some group stuff um, and, uh, you know, being able to, to reach more people and charge less per hour. Um, but I really love the interaction of the one-on-one -on -one coaching and to be able to personalize the work. It's not, you know, I don't have a cookie cutter. You do the step one, step two, step three. It's all about what are your goals how can we uh, set action steps and habits to get to those goals? And how do we know when we get there? And how can I help you? It's, you know, cause everybody's different. Some people want to, you know, rip the bandaid off and change everything right away. And other people need their little baby steps and um, you know, different people have different needs and different goals. So uh, I appreciate that. that yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am totally uh, supportive of that mindset because I think though, as a culture, I think we're more, so inclined to do this one size fits all for everything across the board. And I, we have to remember that people are all individuals and, and that, you know, cookie cutter approaches are for factories, not for human beings. And so uh, it's really important to keep that in mind. Uh, so uh, people are finding you mostly through referrals or I mean, how was, uh, where does it begin for somebody? Because again, you know, I talked about your awakening moment, this kind of a window of realization open for you. Uh, I think that's probably the first step. And I'm wondering how people real even understand that you're out there for help. Yeah. I think a lot of people have found me through the book or the audio book. Um, there's a version of, on Audible, I'm on Audible reading my own book. Um, and uh, so I get a lot of people who come to the website from the book and then they, I think, get a little email or a little inquiry. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely, referrals are great because 
no one's, it's not like some, nothing's better than someone who I was able to affect some change in their life. And they, you know, they, their life is better to be able to, to pass that on to somebody else. And when, you know, when you see the, the glow of somebody who, who, who got their act together, um, you know, that's, that's the best endorsement you can, you know, the best advertising you can get is somebody one-on-one, but a, a lot of people find me through the books. Wow. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, all you've brought to the table here today. And I, I think uh, I'm hoping some people uh, will uh, respond and respond positively, at least get the book. Um, uh, what, just finally, what kind of questions would people be asking? You know, how do people know that this is the book or your coaching is right for them? What kind of questions should they be, would they be asking themselves or, or, or just what, what kind of, uh, where, where do they have to be in their mind to even get ready to work with you? Yeah, well, I think the big questions are, am I where I want to be with my career? And, um, and am I doing something that's getting in my own way? Um, and, you know, and do I feel the way I want to feel? Right, that's, yeah. And emotionally, you know, is this the life I want? Because if it's not, there's probably some stuff we can do. There's, you know, there's action steps, there's habits, there's, um, there's support, there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of simple things, you know, some big things, but, but some simple things that you can do to start just feeling better and seeing the world in a more productive and happier way. Well, uh, that's good stuff, and I, I appreciate your time and insight here. I do hope uh, we've helped some people or at least inspired people to take the first step. That's always the most difficult thing. So I, I appreciate your time here and, and all your insights, and I wish you great success. Thanks for coming, and have a great day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Bye. Bye for now. Deborah Wanger, folks, uh, book is, and the link's in the description to both the books and her website. Find out how uh, you can get started, uh, you know, with her and her coaching or just start by reading the book. Uh, if you're in um, the, the arts and you're asking yourself any one of those questions that she mentioned towards the end there, uh, maybe a good time to kind of uh, take that first step and and. Start your path towards wellness. It's a difficult thing for everybody, and I know. And uh, I'm not a, a preacher about it in any sense of the word because I struggle with it daily myself. So this is why we have this program, to kind of expose ourselves to uh, new ideas and, you know, not to, to know we're not alone. So that's uh, that's the program for today. I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll come back and tell your friends about it and subscribe and go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. You know all that stuff. Go to MindDogTV.com and get on my mailing list. I got some kind of, uh, like, thing on my head that's bothering me i can't i'm looking at it and it feels like i got a charles manson uh, tattoo right above uh, my my eyebrows there it's, it's, it's really disconcerting hope it goes away by tonight's program speaking of tonight's program uh tonight uh dr joy will be with me uh and dr joy jeffries Pugh, and uh her, she's written a book it's it's an episode of meet the author and her book is uh, all about uh or book series, rather. It's all about uh, preparing ourselves for the rise of the Antichrist. Uh, it's uh, uh, an examination of good and evil. And if you follow the program at all, you know I'm I'm extremely interested in this uh, in the concept of good and evil and the uh, nature of both of those forces. Should be an interesting program. It's 8 p.m. tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. I hope you'll join me then. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great night and bye now.
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.